Hey everybody out there, how's it going? Hope you're having a good, good Saturday. It is August 14th and you're listening to Screenspeak, a podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, and this is my podcast. Really appreciate you being here. If you haven't already yet, please go ahead and hit the follow button so that you don't miss out on the latest episodes as they get posted every Sunday and every Friday. Uh, And also go ahead and follow the podcast on its official Instagram page. Uh, I believe it's at Screenspeak Podcast, so you should be able to find that. And then eventually there will be a dedicated YouTube channel. And I say eventually because... It is out there. I just need to actually uh, take the time to snip up some audio sound bites and and put them on there uh, because I'm just going to be using that as more of a platform to put clips of the podcast. But if you want to listen to the entirety of it, well, then you're in the right place here on Spotify. So again, welcome. I'm really happy to have you here. So for today's episode, I wanted to focus on the movie Run Fat Boy Run which is a movie that came out in 2007, I believe in the summer of 2007, and it stars Simon Pegg as, I, I believe his character's name is Dennis, Dennis Nidri? Uh, we'll just say he's Dennis. He stars as a man named Dennis, uh, who is a slacker of sorts that is trying to just kind of scrape by in the bare minimum in life uh, and figure out how he can be happy in life. Uh, especially after he left his pregnant wife on the altar uh, years prior. And so ever since he did that, he has really not been able to recover much since that. And it was it was self-induced. And I realize when, I, when I'm saying it out loud like that, it sounds like, wow, like this guy is awful. And this sounds, you know, like a, a horrible setup for a movie. But it's actually a comedy uh, of sorts. It's a it's a romantic comedy. It's a uh, inspirational movie, like an underdog sports movie of sorts. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, subgenres that are going throughout the movie, but it's a really enjoyable one, and I think it's one that's escaped a lot of people, and a lot of people I don't think really give it the credit that it deserves. I'm not saying that it's a perfect movie. It's you know it's it's a romantic comedy at the at the end of the day, and you know it, it has some you know typical tropes that it follows, and some stuff that you know people would probably think of as being predictable. But <clears throat> I really think the movie actually does have a lot going on for it, and it's worth a look. And it's very funny. It's very sweet, uh, and it's enduring. And there's actually a couple of themes in the movie that I think are worth exploring, and that's what I'm going to do in this episode. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, So really quick, I want to actually just read the actual official synopsis, uh, so that way you just get a sense of the story better than me just talking about kind of what sets it up. So I'm I'm actually reading this off of Rotten Tomatoes, if you want to know. So it says... Five years earlier, nervous bridegroom Dennis, played by Simon Pegg, leaves his pregnant girlfriend Libby, who is played by Thandie Newton, at the altar. He now realizes that he made a big mistake and he wants to win her back. Unfortunately, Libby is involved with a handsome, attentive, and fit uh, financier, that's a term you don't hear that much, uh, a fit financier played by Hank Azaria, you'll know him from... Uh, many voices on The Simpsons and other comedies like Along Came Polly, etc. But anyways, so 
Hank Azaria's character um, is planning on running in a charity, in a charity marathon, and he, he's done this all the time. He, he's, he's quite fit and impressive uh, on a superficial level out of that. And so out of shape, Dennis decides to enter the race, hoping to impress Libby, even though he only has three weeks to prepare for the race. So that's the official synopsis, but there's actually, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more going on there besides that. But yes, that is the, that's the general premise. And Simon Pegg, I want to start by talking about him. I think he is, he really excels in roles where he is playing sort of an every man of sorts and he's, you know, kind of, kind of awkward and and kind of a pessimist, uh, but his, but he has a lot of uh, kind of sarcastic humor about him, I suppose. I feel like at least in roles like this. And I really have always been a fan of Simon Pegg's humor in particular, uh, if you've ever seen any of his, you know, any of his other movies, uh, most notably like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, uh, The World's End, the Cornetto Trilogy, as it's also referred to, uh, I think he's fantastic in those, and he writes a lot of those as well, and he and he is actually a co-writer on this movie uh, with Michael Ian Black, uh, who he he's a he's a comedian that I've seen pop up in a handful of things, but I'm not I'm not as familiar with him as I am with Simon Pegg. Hang on here. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I said to take a take a quick uh, take a quick sip of water because when you're talking for a long time, you need to make sure your throat is clear. And I don't know why I'm sounding like I'm endorsing a water company that is non-existent. And where is this going right now? And why has my voice changed to be a water commercial? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You can just you, you can just ignore that 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 you know that that happened. Just let let's let's just keep going. Um, so that's the synopsis, and it should go without saying. But since Simon Pegg is a co-writer, and there are uh, other British stars that are in the movie, uh, Dylan Morin is actually another actor who is a supporting role in this movie. That he plays the role of Gordon, which is his. Uh, <laughs> kind of questionable best friend uh who, who actually also starred with simon Pegg in Shaun of the dead uh though it, his character in that was much more annoying and and this one he's very likable but he's kind of a schlub and a gambling addict and womanizer potentially and just not really a great guy but he's he's funny to watch um but anyway so it's a very british movie in a sense uh and, but i really enjoy british humor uh if i'm being honest I, and I enjoy a lot of different, uh, I, well, let me, let me think, how would I describe how I like British humor? I think, I think the reason sometimes British humor gravitates to me is because there's a bit more nuance to it, I feel like, or, or at least subtleties in, in how it works. It's not as like obvious, like slapsticky, ah ha ha, uh, humor, like some American stuff can be. Uh, but I think it's very clever and the humor in this movie, I find very clever. And again, it's just, uh, it's very, very enjoyable, uh, for the humor. And, and a lot of that again is credited to Simon Pegg's writing, Michael Ian Black's writing together and the direction of David Schwimmer, um, that he takes with this, which, uh, if I'm talking about the direction of the movie, that's kind of an, it's, it's interesting when I'm, when I'm, you know, thinking about it out loud, um, because I feel like if another director or it, it'd be very easy for a director to take a movie like this, just kind of from its premise and just like take it and treat it very lightly and just, you know, have it 
focus on just some you know some gags and you know little little family comedy and things like that they, they it could easily have been done like that and it's not to say that there's not elements of that in this movie but <clears throat> i think david schwimmer takes the the more mature choice and and grounds the movie in a in a realism that that's very present throughout the whole movie because like, even though like there is some of this like kind of slapstick comedy elements that happen from time to time, uh, you feel the characters are, are real people and you feel their, uh, the situations that they're in as, as being fairly realistic anyway, or at least they don't feel like as, um, as predictable, at least in my mind for like what a typical romantic comedy character does. I mean, Simon Pegg's character, Dennis, he is somebody that, you know, he works as a security guard in a mall, um, doesn't really make that much money, lives in an apartment, he doesn't really have a ton of friends and things going on, he's, he's out of shape, uh, clearly, because he, he just doesn't really run, he's relatively a lazy guy, um, so there's, there's flaws to the characters in this movie that, you know, for better or worse, are relatable, and, and I mean, hopefully... Hopefully some people out there are not, you know, doing everything that the Simon Pig character does, namely leaving uh, pregnant, you know, pregnant fiancés on the on the altar. That, that sounds terrible. Uh, but anyways, I'm not really sure where I was going with that. But the, the direction of the movie, I think, is smart because there are subtle, mature undertones to the movie um, that just kind of pop up periodically. And I think they fit well and they, they keep the movie from not being overly light but still give it enough uh seriousness when when it counts uh which leads just overall to the movie having an inspirational quality to it um and also just a heart to it it has a that's probably the best thing i would say about this movie is i think at the center of it it has a really good heart um so if you watch the movie maybe you can pick up on that uh okay so Another theme that I want to talk about in the movie that I I want to explore a little bit more out loud is talking about the idea of being one's own worst enemy. Because the character of Dennis, as I mentioned at the beginning of the movie, uh, he he leaves his you know his beautiful wife uh, who's who's pregnant. He like like on their wedding day, he like he literally runs away from it, and you realize over the course of the movie, it's because he has a lot of insecurities, um, and doubt in himself. And in his mind, he did it because he thought he'd be sparing her like a lifetime of, of pain and and disappointment because he just thought he wasn't good enough. And I don't know, uh, that that's, that's an interesting thing to think about because I think there's a lot of aspects that we we all have that we can be self-destructive on um you know like I, I know myself like i i can be somebody that has a lot of great ideas or i have a lot of things i want to do and and some days i'll be like really gung-ho about it and i'll just be going at it and and really feeling the passion and the drive behind it but then i find like that that passion and drive will like go in spurts and if i and if i'm not careful about it um, I'll hit a point where like that, that energy and motivation, like just will hit a wall, like a metaphorical wall. Um, and I'm just like not able to continue. And that's where I have to like pull back and, and stop and like give myself breaks because I just like can't mentally process more cause I've done too much. And I don't know. 
uh, at least for myself, I know I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about my mental struggles that, that I have from time to time, which we all do. Uh, but it can feel like, I, I, I guess I always feel like deep down I can do a better job. And I think that's the part that can bother me sometimes where it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll hit one of these points where it's just like, I've, I've mentally feel like I cannot continue on something. And then, you know, like I'll, I'll turn to food or, you know, I'll, I'll turn to just being lazy or something like that. I, I think I've, I've been guilty of that at, at one point or another in my life. It, it still probably happens from time to time if I'm being, if I'm being real. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's difficult to describe being self-destructive sometimes, but I think everybody does it on, on certain things. And I think that's probably the biggest hang up with the whole thing is that if you have any sense of self-awareness, it's not a surprise when you know, like deep down that you could be better in a certain aspect or two of your life. And yet you feel powerless isn't really the right word, but you feel you don't feel like you have always control and, and then you're just, you know, you just feel kind of feel like stuck. And, and then because you're just so aware of it, that's what makes it worse is because you're like, Oh my God, like I literally can like, it's like if I had like an out of body experience and like, I decided to look at myself, look down on myself and be like, what the hell is this guy doing right now? He shouldn't be doing that. He should be doing this. This is the right path. Uh, but to quote son of a woman, <laughs> totally different movie, but to quote son of a woman, uh, I'm going to do a really bad Al Pacino impression. I always knew the right path. I always knew the right path, but it was too damn hard. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen that, I mean, that's a, that's a great movie in and of itself, but that's, that's it sometimes. I mean, life can be hard and it can be really difficult to figure out how to take the right path all the time, 24-7, nonstop. But what I think I'll wrap up on talking about that is that I do think you have to allow yourself to fail sometimes, um, at least for like, for like myself. I, I don't think that you can be perfect all the time. So if you're somebody like myself that can be very critical of, of their actions, their, their work, just everything that they do, like you need to, you know, put the foot off the gas sometimes. Like sometimes you need to go at a more even pace, uh, control yourself and, and just really be work on being more present and, and focused on the moment and not think about so many of the different variables that are going around. Uh, I think if you can work on that type of, of mentality and, and discipline, which discipline is actually probably a big part of it, then you can hopefully take some of those, those aspects of like, Oh my gosh, why am I not doing a better job right now? And, and just have a healthier perspective on it and then do little steps to, to get further. Um, so that you are not always having that, that existential sense of dread that, Oh my gosh, I could be doing better, but I'm not. I don't even know if any of that made sense. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm putting it out there anyway. So now you have something to think about on that. But to tie it back to Run, Fat Boy, Run, uh, I like that the movie explores a guy that is not an athlete trying to do a marathon to impress the woman that he truly does love, but needs to realize that he himself can be good enough, but he's got to work for it. 
and I really, really like that aspect about the movie, and it's, it is inspirational, I don't care if it is, like, trying to copy off of a Rocky movie or any other sports movie where, like, the zero becomes the hero by the end of the movie. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think this movie does it well, and it takes it from a point of view of the kind of schlubby, lazy everyman that is able to to do something drastic like run a marathon for somebody that's never ran it to become a better man in the process. And yeah, I, I think it's possible. I, I don't think it's impossible doing something like that. Uh, would, would in reality doing something like that win back a woman that you mess things up with? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, pe- people have long memories and, you know, takes takes a lot more than just one event to, to change the mind of somebody. But it's nice for the sake of the movie. I, I guess that's what I'll say. <clears throat> um, and that that's another thing I want to talk about is uh, kind of that underdog story. The, the underdog story within the movie, which, of course, is very much where the movie borrows a lot from, like, Rocky is... You know, the guy's got to train. He needs to get in better shape. Um, but what I, again, I guess what I like about it is that when he does finally get to the portion of this movie where he does have to start training and, and really actually taking it seriously, um, it's just, it's very, very funny um, how, how Simon Pegg does it. Cause it, it, and it feels very believable because <clears throat> unlike some of those sports movies where you are dealing with an underdog, uh, you know, albeit athlete or team, that's the key. Person's already an athlete. I mean, they may not be a professional, but they have the mindset of like, I'm doing this as a team sport. I'm doing this to, you know, be, try to become a professional athlete, at least in a lot of those movies where they do that. And this, it's like, nah, like, like this is a guy, like he, he's a pretty average guy. Again, he's a security guard in a mall and he, he's not trying to be Rocky. He, he's not trying to, you know, impress the coach. He's not trying to be on a team. He's trying to win back the woman that he loves. And he's somebody that's never taken athletics seriously. So when he does it, you know, like, uh, like the movie has a great scene where he like leaves his apartment and he, he's like, all right, I'm going to go run. He's doing a stretch and he's wearing these way too tiny shorts. And he runs for like all of like 10 seconds before he gets winded. It's just like, Oh my God. Um, it's a, it's a funny scene. Um, but it's just, it's, it's very, <laughs> it's very relatable and believable. Cause, uh, I, I know myself, I'm somebody that does like to run a lot and, I don't probably run as much as I should, but I definitely do do it more than the character of Simon Pegg in this movie. And I can tell you that from what I remember when I first started running, yeah, uh, it's not all too dissimilar from how his character in this kind of begins. Like you feel like you can't really go that far to begin with. You don't really have much of any kind of technique. You're not really aware of like stretching or like the right kind of shoes uh, you know, or just how you should like be tracking your time, you know, the diet that you should be eating. Like there's all this stuff like that seems overwhelming when you first start running. Um, so it, it's very relatable and very, very funny to see how his characters struggle so bad, uh, for a lot of the movie, just to try to become better at running. And <clears throat> I have to talk about one scene that, that stands out in my mind is there's a scene where he actually does go for a fairly longer run in the movie, but then he stops and he's like, oh, he's like, I think I got like a blister on my foot. And to this day, 
I have not, there's not many scenes I remember that much where it's, it is very funny, but so cringy at the same time, because cut to the next scene after he says that he has a blister and he's sitting, uh, sitting in the bed and his, and his buddy there played by Dylan Morin, he he's there and he helps him take off his shoe. And he's just like, Ooh, like, like he looks at his foot because he has a gigantic, uh, I think, I mean, it's a blister, but like, it's a huge, like pus ball basically like on the, on the, on the bottom of his foot and, uh, and Simon Pegg, like he knows something's wrong. He's just like, is it bad? And he's just, and like his friends trying not to freak him out. He's like, no, like not really, but like, you can totally tell that something's wrong. And anyway, the scene proceeds with them coming to the conclusion that eventually this sister, this, this blister, this big, this big pus ball has to get popped. And, and the friend's got to do it. And I, I don't want I don't want to give the scene away, but you're watching it. And like, if you could see me sitting here right now recording this, like, it's like you have your hands over your face, maybe even one over the eye because like, it's so gross. And you're like, Oh God, like, are they actually going to do it? It's going to be so disgusting. It's going to hurt him so bad. Um, <laughs> but it's, it really, really is a, a funny, funny-ass scene uh, in the movie. And, yeah, it, it, it sticks out because it's just like, oh, it's so gross, but, uh, but also very memorable. But, anywho, so getting back to the underdog story of this, I, I thought how they approached him, like, getting into the running and, and figuring all that out is very humorous, of course. Uh, but then eventually he does start getting better at it. And you do start to, uh, you know, really start to root for him because you can tell like this is probably the most that he's ever like this is the most work that he's ever put into himself, I think, on anything in his life. Like the character has been a relatively lazy guy for most of his life. So seeing him really kind of, you know, bite down and, and really dig his heels in and, and, and focus on a discipline it's it is inspiring. I, I I don't care if it follows any tropes or anything like that. It's inspiring when when something's inspirational, you call it what it is. It's inspirational, and this is an inspirational movie. And they do have a nice montage that occurs at one point in the movie because it wouldn't be a good sports ish movie without having some kind of a montage. Um, and the song, if you want to look up the song, I still remember it. Uh, it is from a band called the Envy Corpse, and it's called Story Problem. Uh, I, that is the song that they use for this main montage. And it's a really good song. Uh, I actually listen to it when I work out a lot. And again, I said I go, I, I go running a lot. And so it's been, in my, it's been in my workout playlist since 2007, I guess, is when I first heard it. And, and interestingly enough, the Envy Corps, if you look them up, I think they're actually from Iowa. Uh, though, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up actually really quick since, since I'm thinking about it right now. So hang on here. I am typing, typing here. Let's see, the Envy Corps. Okay. <clears throat> okay, yeah, I was right. Okay, so the Envy Corps, they're an, alter they're an American alter... <laughs> they are an American alt-rock band from Ames, Iowa. Oh, all right. Ames, Iowa, my, my little brother, actually, he, he went, to, went to college there. He was a cyclone, and he graduated there, so it was very cool. Um, but, yeah, I guess they're from Ames, Iowa, if you want to look them up. They got a couple other good songs besides uh, Story Problem. There's one other one in particular called Rhine Maidens. That's a really good song from them. So give, give them a look up. I 
be curious to see if they're actually still performing, but I don't know. They're a good band. Anywho, <clears throat> so going back to the movie, so uh, a, a key part that I like about the underdog story that happens in the third act of the movie is once Dennis actually gets to the marathon, uh, they, they, they allude to it at one point in the movie that a lot of runners commonly, um, you know, even the most seasoned ones out there can eventually hit something that they call the wall, uh, which is a, uh, a mental, literally a mental barrier that a person can hit when they're just exhausted beyond the point of belief where they're like almost out of their body because like they're just so tired and it just kind of hits everyone. It hits them all at once. It hits them mentally, physically, emotionally, everything all at once. They feel like they can't continue. And and some people, if they really hit that barrier, especially in a marathon, they they very well may give up, or they 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 may give uh, give into it, and you know just really have it hurt them, and and it, and it could mess with you. And <clears throat> I've been on runs. I know myself where. I haven't done a marathon before, but I have done a half marathon. And I remember when I did that, I didn't quite hit a wall, but I, I definitely hit a point around like the, the eight, nine mile mark where I was feeling the length of the run more. And I, I was thinking about it a bit more and, and, and I was close to hitting one of those walls, but thankfully I didn't. But <clears throat> in the movie, his, his character does hit the wall and it's, I think he has like nine miles left in his marathon and it's, it's so cool. Uh, the, the choice that David Schwimmer makes to visually represent his mental barrier, uh, because it, it cuts to not, not like inside his head, but the way the movie edits, you, you know, that he's in his head. It's not real is that he's, he like literally stops and like he like he can't move and the and the camera's like panning it's it's panned right up on his face it's a close up and you it's like he he's like at the edge of the 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 camera frame like he can't continue and he 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 looks down and he looks up and he just sees this big brick wall and like he's like looking behind him he's like what the hell's going on where did this wall come from cuz he's clearly delirious at this point because he's he's so exhausted and he doesn't see anybody behind him and then he turns back around and he and he like he he thinks he hears something and he sees a he sees a little tiny hole in the wall and he goes and he peers through it and he sees himself on the other side of it and the the other the other version of himself on the other side of this wall doesn't say anything but he he looks at him and it's just like he like nods like come on man like like you can do this like he like waves him over he's just like come on like the hell with this crash through this like let's go and anyways he he, he pumps himself up and they, they do some cuts uh back to uh, previous flashbacks of the movie showing him running away from his wife running away from responsibilities running away from his problems and then eventually he is able to find the will to break through this mental barrier and again, I don't want to just, you know, I, I really don't want to spoil this whole movie. I want you to watch it. But that scene in particular for an underdog, you know, finally getting over the worst hurdle that he has to um, has to get over before he can succeed is really, really well done in the movie. And and honestly, just uh, it's a it's a touching scene. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> do you ever think to yourself as well, because I, I I'm thinking about a lot of things right now as I'm talking about this. But 
I think to myself often, what can I do to be better? And I suppose talking about this movie, it's what's bringing that on. But do you ever think about that? Like, like what you can do to be better? Like, I feel like the reason I ask is because I feel like when you watch a movie like Run, Fat Boy, Run, or Iraqi, or Remember the Titans, or just, I'm just throwing out sports movies that are inspirational, Rudy, etc. I feel like you watch a good movie like that and they make you want to be better. Like, you're just like, wow. Like I, you know, you get charged, you, you get an inspirational boost because you, you may be in a, in a setting in your life where you're not really surrounded by people that build you up. Um, and so movies are, movies are just really great for that. And so I'm curious if after you watch something like this, you take the time to examine yourself maybe in that moment or long term and just really look and say, what can I do to make myself be better? It's like, I want to, I want to feel a moment of victory like that. Um, I think movies like that can be really contagious like that. Like we all crave, um, to win in one form or another and success is defined by everybody on a different level. Um, I know for somebody like myself, money is not the, the epitome of success. Certainly not for me. It's, I've never been about the money as <clears throat> I don't, I don't care how that comes off. I, I I've never been about the money and you know, that's certainly not how I define success, but I do think about this, this question I'm asking you is, is how can you be better? I think about it a lot and I try to, I try to work at it. And, and so anyways, I, I'm, I, I think after I watch a movie like this, uh, you know, I, I may, I may work out more certainly after watching it. Cause you know, I'm all charged up seeing somebody take control of their life and be really fit and healthy and just being a better person. Um, that can be contagious. So if I, I guess if you're having trouble finding the motivation to, to kind of, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I, I think that's an expression. If you ever have trouble with that, you can certainly watch a movie like Run, Fat Boy, Run and be like, ah, oh, wow, like I got this great positive boost. I'm going to start making some changes. Um, <clears throat> as far as what the changes are, I don't know if I could tell you that uh, myself anyway, but I, I could think of, I could think of a couple things off the top that any anybody could do practically to make their lives be better just one step at a time because uh, I, I do find that if you are trying to do like self-improvement like really do it it does always start with the little things it's not like there's always some big uh, big euphoric uh, epiphany that you have to reach and you're just like oh my god like my life I, i'm having like a, a moment now of clarity oh like everything's changing for me i'm so i'm so moved like it's it's not always going to play out that way um so let me let me give some examples of things i think you could actually do to to make yourself be in a better place um i do think it starts with the little things and and discipline uh, is required in order to do it. So you can't just do any of these things once you have to do them a couple of times. Uh, first thing I would say is just make your bed every morning. Um, there's actually a great book, uh, called make your bed, which I'm going to, I'm going to look up the author of that right now. Cause I, I don't have the book in front of me, but <clears throat> it's one I recommend actually from a lot of people, uh, to read. Cause it's a very easy read, but there is also really, uh, really good advice in it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here it is. So it's called make your bed and it's from William H McRaven, uh, who 
he was an admiral. I'm, I'm reading some of this online right now to make sure I'm, I'm giving you the right information. Uh, yeah, he was a U.S. Navy admiral. I don't know his whole life story and whatnot. Um, but the book, I believe, is from a, a big speech that he gave at one point. I, I think it was at the University of Austin in Texas. Uh, and anyways, he it's a very inspiring speech, and he talks about a lot of uh, practical things that he learned from Navy, from being in the Navy and life that, that he utilizes to this day. And hang on. And, and, and make make your bed, which is the the title of the book, talks about how if you do make your bed every morning, one, it establishes a consistent pattern of behavior. It also creates a level of discipline and expectation of yourself. And the biggest the biggest benefit of that is that you start every day off with a win. Um, you you do something right literally every day to start off your day and as little of a behavior as that is and as an action it the impact of it can be big because you may need to just do something like that to start your day off and and be more positive and not have it feel you know if you're depressed or um, anxious or or a lot of these other feelings that you could wake up with first thing in the morning this is a great way to to to, uh, to start to get out of that cycle um <clears throat> Another thing I know I always try to tell people to do too is just write things down. Um, I, I really love journaling. Um, I'm not saying that I have like a book that I am writing or I don't have a diary or anything like that, but I really do like writing down things um, just to help me remember it, uh, to help me practice it. If I hear something like a quote or you know a piece of advice that somebody tells me, it's like I almost wish I could carry a notepad with me everywhere I went. Um, and then uh, to-do list. That's that's another very big one. Definitely figure out a good to-do list system. Um, the physical act of crossing something off a list that you get done feels great, and it gives you fuel to keep going. <clears throat> and last thing I would say about getting better, because this that's not what this podcast is about. I'm not doing a whole episode on on trying to talk you up and, and make you be a better man. I'm I'm sure there is, or a better woman too. You know, who knows? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's not about that, but I would say, oh, hang on. Oh my gosh, my my train of thought like just it it almost. Oh my gosh, Jordan, stay 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 on it. You're recording. We're we're not going back. Uh. <laughs> um. <clears throat> you know the last the last thing. Okay, I remember now. The last thing I would say on how you can be better is really be mindful of the people you surround yourselves with. And I'm really dead serious about that. I think, you know, some of us are lucky to be around great people right from the get go, or we're fortunate enough that we meet them in some of our, uh, some of the settings that life uh, is able to give us, but others, you know, not so much. I, I think that we can be victims of circumstance of a lot of different things. And we're not always having those opportunities to be around people that root for you that are really there, um, having your back at all times and people like that in your life, they're, they're hard to find, but I promise it's worth looking for them because you don't need that many. That's, that's the key thing I would say with that is that I think, 
I think sometimes when someone tells you like, oh, you got to surround yourself with good people, you think, oh, like I need to, you know, just become really popular. I need to have like a ton of friends. And that's not really the case, at least in in my experience. I think it's definitely more quality over quantity. Um, If you can just find a few right people, key people, and and have good relationships with them and, and be open with them and talk, that is going to go miles and miles with you and you're going to be able to discover things about yourself that you previously may not have even believed in because you're surrounding yourself with the right energy you're surrounding yourself with the right attitudes the the right mentalities whatever you want to call it and behavior like that and being exposed to it on a good and healthy level is contagious and makes you want to be better um, I really, really do believe in that. And so I would definitely advise that if you're maybe hanging around with some people that they're not really doing anything for you, there is no shame in just being like, you know what? I'm not getting anything out of this. Like this is doing nothing for me. I don't think I'm even helping them out that much. And this sucks. Like, no, I, I don't want to do this. Then, then walk away from it. Honestly. I mean, sometimes I think people, they, they don't want to deal with confrontation and they're just like, wow, like, you know, I've been friends with this person for so long. So I, I, you know, they're not going anywhere. Well, that's you settling. That's you just being like, I don't want to deal with confrontation. I don't want to deal with change. I just don't want to deal with it. And you shouldn't run away from that. You, you should not run away from it. You got to face it and you're only going to be better off for it by doing it. So geez. I didn't realize I was going to be throwing out so much life advice. I mean, who am I? I, I don't know. Am, am, I, am I even a credible person to, to be telling you how to live your life? <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, I hope you, I hope you understand that I, I say some of this stuff because I, I, I think it's good to hear this kind of thing from time to time. And, and everybody needs encouragement. Um, certainly a character like Dennis in Run, Fat Boy, Run... I don't know if he would have been in the situation he was in if he had a better social circle. I don't know. Not saying that it would fix everything. Sometimes people can have great people around them, but still not be able to find the will in themselves to to go that extra mile, to go the distance. <laughs> you see how I'm tying all these running uh, metaphors in there? Because I have been talking about a movie that's primarily about running. Ha 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 ha. Jordan, you don't need to spell it out like that. We can figure it out. Why are you talking about yourself in the third person? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, okay. The last thing I'm going to talk about on this episode, uh, is I have another question that I want to pose for the listeners. I'm curious, what would you do for someone you love to prove to them how much they mean to you? I'm just letting you think about that for, for a second. Hang on here. It's an interesting question. Um, because as I've mentioned now several times, the character of Dennis is running a marathon to try to give like a last ditch effort to show the woman that he loves, that he really does love, that he can be a good man and and do what's right <clears throat> and, and win her back. And... So I'm not asking the question to like, you know, see like what you would try to do to like win somebody by, uh, to win somebody back that you like mess things up with or anything like that. I'm just curious. I'm just, I'm talking out loud. I'm wondering what 
what people will do to to show somebody that they really really care for them it's it's interesting to think about i know for myself um i'm engaged i have a fiance right now that is living in brazil and i can tell you that if if it came between me losing her or having to run a marathon and like go through some horrible physical trial like that not saying marathons are always like are you know a, a, a god awful slug like that i just mean I guess I'm just saying that I would absolutely do it. I I will do two marathons, three, five. I will literally run across the entire planet if it meant that I was going to, you know, if it was that, if, if, if it was doing that run or losing my fiance, I would do the run in the heartbeat. Uh, I certainly would. I would do more. I will, I'll do anything. I mean, for her, I really would. Um, which she, she does listen to this. And so she's probably like, Oh, like, that's so nice. Great. I'm not saying it publicly just to like get some, you know, good praise from her. I just, I, I mean it. And I don't know. It makes me think what else I would do. Cause I'm, I'm sure there's other things I could think about, um, for somebody that really matters, even outside of my fiance. Like if it was my mom or my brothers or cousins or any, anybody like that, a good friend, um, I don't know. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve or actually in this case on my chest, I actually have a, a tattoo on my chest of a, a heart with a briefcase on it. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, why not? I'll show the, I'll share the story with that. I have a tattoo with a, <clears throat> with a heart and a briefcase on there and it's actually derived from U2 the band U2, you know, Bono, yeah, 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 woo, okay, that was the worst Vertigo impression, uh, but it's derived from U2, and I believe it was uh, artwork that they use sometime when they released the song Walk On, and it's about how no matter what changes in your life, your relationships, your circumstances, you should always be carrying love with you wherever you go, and that's always rang true to me, and so I, I, I may not wear my heart on my sleeve, but I, I definitely keep it very out there and open, and I believe in, in sharing it with people, and and I hope that it can make a difference to, to somebody out there. Um, I didn't mean to get so heavy-handed all of a sudden. Gosh, I, I almost got emotional talking about that. Whew. What's going on? Is this a podcast or is this therapy? I, I, I don't know. Um Dang, sorry, I, I had to pause for a second. That's interesting. But I guess where I get with all that is that I feel like I'm the kind of person that I really do truly care about others, and somebody else being happy is going to make me happy. So it's like you help someone else and you're helping yourself, but I really believe in that. And I don't know. I, I'm thinking like if I knew a guy like Dennis in in the movie – and I saw this, this guy that I think his intentions were well, and, you know, he just had some demons that he had to figure out from himself, you know, whether, albeit, you know, laziness, uh, lack of motivation, lack of education, lack of resources, um, depression, uh, addiction. I mean, there's a lot of different things, but I don't know. I, I really would like to think that I would be a champion for that person. Like if I truly believe that they had it in them to succeed, like I would want to work my hardest to make that happen for that person. 
and it, ha- it would have, it would have nothing to do with myself. It would just be to see somebody else succeed, see somebody reach their, you know, really find the worth in themselves and, and be able to, to run with it. Um, I, I think if you can ever be in a fortunate position to find that, um, to be in a position to help somebody like that, you absolutely should. Uh, or if that person that you have to help is yourself, you know, even better help yourself because you can't help anybody else without helping yourself. And that is the very last motivational thing I'll say. Wow. Uh, okay. You know what? I think that is going to be the, the episode today. So I really appreciate each and every one of you listening. Definitely check out Run Fat Boy Run. I hope you hope you found all all my ranting about this uh, <laughs> uh, entertaining, to say the least, and and you know uh, insightful maybe too. Um, dare dare I say that? But anyways, I appreciate you being here, uh, and I will see you all in the next episode. You take care, and you have yourselves a good start to your week uh, because this will be getting uploaded on Sunday. So, anyways, have a good week. And I will see you in the next episode. Take care.